Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, welcome to another wonderful Wednesday coming to you from south of Fort Worth, Burleson, Texas. We think big. We mow a lot of grass. We ride a few horses. Uh, we might even shoot a critter here and there that's uh, being harassful, but it's a great place to live. And you're being a part of the Information Edge podcast. Now, this podcast brings a lot of information on specific sectors that the basically nobody else in the media will really focus on. I mean, they'll run a story, okay, they're going to get their infrastructure bill, but they don't go into the meat of it. They don't go into the heart of it. We cover things on infrastructure. We cover it on energy. We cover it on insurance. We cover it on trucking. We cover it on guns, money, a lot of topics that, and we'll go into the policies. I have been hammering for the last 60 days on infrastructure because the 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 amounts that are being proposed are vomitous, okay? And currently, at least it's no longer 2.6 trillion. It's now down to somewhere around 1.2 trillion. Oh, but wait a second. See, that doesn't encompass all the spending, folks. There's a little shell game going on right now. There's a highway bill out here that's almost $600 billion. Then you got the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration out here with a budget of almost $700 billion, it's a lot of money. It's your money. Now, FMFCS or budget, they're going to get it. But the, the infrastructure bill, well, is, is I'm going to talk today with our special guest, Mac Morris from Americans for Prosperity. It's not an infrastructure bill. It's not a roads bill. It's a garbage bill. And with that, I want to introduce our guest today, Mac Morris. Uh, you are the Deputy Director for Americans for Prosperity for Texas, correct? That is correct, sir. Thanks for having me on today, Darren. Okay, but we're going to talk more about Texas. You can, you can talk beyond Texas, can't you? Oh, definitely. But we all love Texas. That's we do one. love Texas. We got people <laughs> listening all over. Uh, matter of fact, right now, if you're in the upper Northwest, if you're up in Oregon, and if you're up in Washington, somehow our weather patterns have gotten switched. We have your nice uh, semi-cloudy in the, in the upper 80 forecast. You've got our scorchy to death, 105 degree temperature. Don't know how that happened. Don't know if it was, you know, the liberal conservative winds kind of switched them around, but we feel your pain. Uh, we want you to go through, but this impacts everybody. Now, Mac, earlier this week, we saw where um, Joe Biden comes out and says, hey, we, we got a deal, man. We got a deal, man. He, he, he's coming out with uh, Republicans. And, and, and Democrats said they've got enough to come out and do a infrastructure bill that's $1.2 trillion. But how much of that bill goes towards actually roads and bridges, Mac? Well, they don't know yet. They don't even have legislation. They've been talking about the $4 trillion bill forever. Oh. And it was only 5% that was going to go to roads, bridges, and actual infrastructure. Then they talk about, we got a deal. I don't think it's a deal for the American people when they keep just throwing money at the problem. It became a deal to them was basically saying, when they say bipartisan, it was how much they could stomach to spend across the aisle. 
That's the real issue here. It's too much spending. It's, it is too much spending. And here's the thing. I don't think anybody's going to disagree that we need to spend money on our roads and our bridges, our rail systems, our true infrastructure. Sure. And if you break that down, what I'm seeing that's coming out of that bill or proposal is of $1.2 trillion, God, I just the trillion gets to me. Roughly $100 billion is going to be for those areas. So, and, and that's far less than what we saw as a Republican proposal a few weeks ago that was for like almost $700 billion. So how do we go down to that? And have you noticed how they're trying to redefine infrastructure? Oh, most definitely. I think, you know, people think about physical infrastructure. You're right. We can have that debate on roads, bridges, our rail system. But now we're including things like home health care, child care, new Green Deal policies. It's a partisan wish list. And they want to say, oh, we're going to have two bills now. And you have President Biden saying last week, well, I'll veto the real infrastructure bill if I don't get the human infrastructure bill. I've never heard of human infrastructure. That sounds really nice. That's a lot of money. And you got Bernie Sanders now going, well, let's add more. How about $6 trillion in the human infrastructure bill? I think we're losing our minds when we're going to spend that much. And it's a bad deal for the American people. Uh, as an organization, a grassroots organization, we hear from people across the state, across the country who are tired of the spending. We just spent, what, $6 trillion on COVID relief. That's more than World War I and World War II combined. And now we want to throw, oh, another trillion at infrastructure. Let's be smart about this. Let's be deliberate. They don't even have legislation. They say we have a bipartisan effort going forward. There's no legislation. Uh, there's no accountability with what's going to be spent. And they've got $500 billion more in that for new spending. And they're going to move around, talk about moving the unemployment benefits that weren't used from COVID because people like Greg Abbott said, we're not going to use that in Texas. I, I just, it makes no sense how they move around money. Well, the thing that's bothering me right now, um, you know, I expected Mittens. I expected Murkowski. I didn't expect Porter, and I know Porter. This is his last hurrah to come out and say, "Yeah, we're going." I mean, look, if it was you know sixty or seventy percent real infrastructure, I could see. Okay, we're going to do some of this. It's it's less than ten percent with the proposals that I've read. Yeah, less than ten percent. And folks, if you're it, it, anytime you hear the words Green New Deal, let me tell you what Green New Deal is. And Mac, I don't know if you've had a chance to go back and look at anything that I've been doing. I've been doing a lot also on what we call the climate lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've went back and I've dissected if we if we rolled over and got rid of fossil fuels, what's reality? Okay, well that's been debunked. And then why do we want to why do we want to get rid of fossil fuels when we own the largest coal deposits on the planet? And oh, by the way. You can, do car- you can do carbon capture, and you don't have the problems with pollution on those coal systems. They've been around for decades. So everything that they're talking about on the Green New Deal is based upon a lie to the American people. So I guess my question is, do they think, do they think all the citizens are that stupid, or do they th- simply think that they have enough support in their base that they can get it done without any repercussions? Well, you know, these are feel-good issues. Uh, A lot of times where they go too far, uh, you see the far left talking about the whole new Green Deal policies. Yes, we all want to be good stewards of the environment, but to eliminate things and not have energy diversity is going to hurt the least among us. We're talking about the Obama-era cap-and-trade coming back on Mm -hmm. electric 
you know, like think about electricity rates. Those folks in Portland, they're, you know, baking right now. They've been talking about the electric electricity is going to cost them a lot. In Texas, we know our summers, it's going to hurt uh, the poorest. Uh, they're going to have to make those hard distinctions of what they can spend. We don't need to see gasoline go up at the pump. You know, it's for people going to work, going to school, for our goods to be transported across the country. They have unintended consequences. There are human costs at the end of the day. Not everything is an economic or a environmental cost all the time. You have to think about people. And I don't think- You're that, talking an impact study is what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. And I think there's a detachment and that's why it's so important as a group like Americans for Prosperity, we talk to the grassroots and we get them to contact the elected officials. So they actually hear from everyday people because that's where uh, elected officials should really be um, listening to and enacting policy from is from the is from their constituents. Well, obviously that's absolutely. If they get bombarded by phone calls and emails that it, it's, it lights them up. And that's part of what we tell people a lot. And, and I've got links on our site to go to that. Let's uh, I'm going to divert for just a second. You brought up Texas and we brought up renewable energy. Um, a lot of people, I, I did a show my Friday show. I went back and looked at the amount of megawatts that have been decommissioned in Texas over the last 11 years. And it's staggering the amount that we have decommissioned in the last 11 years, and we have not replaced it with renewable. We've supplemented, we brought out, but we haven't replaced it. And what a lot of people don't understand is if you look at a state like California that has, they basically, they got rid of their, their nuclear plant. They're going all in their cost per kilowatt for electricity, I think is tripled. That may not, I'm not going to say that's hundred percent, but it's doubled for sure. They've got some of the most expensive electrical rates out there. And now because even in a state where they're getting great wind and they're getting great solar, they still don't have reliability. Gavin Newsom came out this past week and said, if you don't have to, don't charge your electric cars because we need the power on the grid. This is the Green New Deal. And I want people to understand it. And that's where I think uh, Rep. Uh, Marjorie Green came out and said that half of this money that they're proposing is going to the Green New Deal. I think it's more than that. But what are you hearing from the grassroots in terms of what they think about the Green New Deal, the proposals and the realities of it? People know it's going to cost them more every day. It's going to be more to go to school. It's going to be more to go to work. But they do not like top-down approaches. They want market innovation. You know, we've seen, you know, Ford come out with the new Lightning. It's cool. It's it's not in the sense that government's mandating them to have to build these. Uh, it should be a market innovations that drive things. And we need diversity. I think people in Texas realize that after the winter storms is you need diversity, but we still need reliable energy at the same time until we can come up with new ways of doing things, how we can uh, really fit the needs of Texans, of Americans, but top-down approaches from government, they don't care for. That's, that's really the nexus of what we hear from people. And they think this is too far of a shift that's not realistic. And I think that's a big thing from folks. They just don't see it as realistic. The people that you're talking with. That's, yeah, that's correct. Are they... Are they getting engaged? Are they making the phone calls? Are they ta- making the emails? Are they engaging with not just their politicians, but the ones that make decisions on policies that they can get to those committees? 
Yeah, I've seen that more across Texas from agriculture folks to uh, moms, uh, you know, the, the parents out there. They're, they're, they're calling their elected officials, but they're sending emails to President Biden. They talk to other congressmen who sit on key committees. I think people are fired up. I haven't seen this much energy around defeating bad policy in about 10 years. I think people are realizing there's a reality of a lot of bad policy facing us and that America has to make some tough decisions for our financial future. All right. Folks, we're going to on a hard break here. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey. Our special guest is Mac Morris with Americans for Prosperity. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective. Your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I've got my special guest, Mac Morris from Americans for Prosperity. If you do want to be a part of the show, 866-472-5788. Have a couple of rules. Number one, we talk. We don't shout, and no profanity is used. If it is, you get the great flushing sound. Now, we were spending just a second, and I want, we'll catch up what we were talking about during the break, um, about market-focused products and the people thinking things are pushing too far. I want to give you perspective. I do a show with a friend of mine called Kurt, uh, named Kurt Chase, and we have a large segment we focus on the automobile industry. Right now, we deal with a lot of dealers. I can tell you right now, 
the $7,500 incentive on electric cars is a waste of money because the average demographic that buys that car has $150,000 salary. They don't need it. And dealers will tell you, even though they're nice cars, the demand is not there to make a huge switch over. It's just not. It, it's less than 10% of all cars sold. So this push to go through, I think, is dangerous. But now you were talking about something uh, within the bill that uh, my favorite uh, Madam Drinker, Nancy Pelosi, was uh, doubling down. Let's get a little more detail on that, Mac. Yeah. So you know, when they pushed the infrastructure bill, uh, Speaker Pelosi said by July 4th, she thought they could get a vote in the House. Well, that hasn't happened. Where are we at? July 30th. They've got a lot of things, June 30th, they've got a lot of things to take care of still with appropriations. They've got a debt ceiling on July 31st. She doubled down. Well, we'll get to July 4th. This infrastructure bill, the first one that President Biden really touted, people realize this is not a good bill. It's wasteful. Then you see the Republican uh, objections with their own bill. Now we got this bipartisan one, but there's no legislation written. They're not going to vote on this by July 4th. And then coming back, they're going to be leaving D.C. for two weeks, uh, the House. They're going to be back in district for the first part of July. And then coming back to D.C., they've got all those appropriations and the debt ceiling. You know, we've been talking about spending. I think we're $30 trillion in debt. It's going to be difficult for them to even do anything in July. And then they have to come back home to district again for August recess. It's not going to happen. So we're saying there's hope that this doesn't gain legs right now. I think we have to have hope, but we can't let up. People need to be contacting their elected officials. That's key. Make sure your voice is heard, that you oppose the spending, because that's the real issue here. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, I know there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to whitewash the Democratic Party. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that are Democrats, and they say, oh, we don't all think that way. And I'm like, well, okay. And I, and I, and I get that some of them are, I think, afraid of Nancy Pelosi, and they're afraid of the squad to vote against them. But there's, there's some level-headed people on the Democratic side in the House. I've had them on my shows. And it seems to be right now that everything up to this point, uh, HR1, HR127, those things are just machine gunning out, which should have, they never should have been put to paper. Do you think you're starting to see some of these moderate Democrats, if there is such a thing, on the House side, knowing that they're having to go back to district, knowing that they're going to have to answer in town halls, do you think that they're holding back some votes or, or dragging their feet on some of these spending votes? You know, there's a couple swing districts that Democrats represent. I believe there's AFP is reaching, you know, reaching out to the grassroots about 30 of those districts. We know that constituents don't agree with the, the crazy spending uh, and a lot of these other policies that have been pushed and I think those representatives know, too, it's unpopular. It's going to be difficult to sell to their constituents. And I think that's a, a good thing because people are speaking up. But it should be even a Republican. If they go back home, they say this is a good bill. This is not a good bill. No, it's, it's a horrible bill. bill. You no, know, it's, it's, a, it's a bad bill. Uh, we've seen the PRO Act that was being pushed. That's even uh, appeared you know, for union labor in mm -hmm. the infrastructure bill. This is just the wish list. And they're trying to cram everything in there. It's going to be really hard to defend a vote on that. I wonder now, I, I, I spent some time with um, your, your, your colleague, Genevieve Collins, mm -hmm. and we talked about the PRO Act. And, and the PRO Act, for those of you that don't remember, what the PRO Act is was basically it's a way to 
force unionization in areas that do not have it. In other words, it's not, it would not be an option, which I, I think constitutionally it was it's it's piece of smoke anyways. But right now with the Supreme Court, I don't want to test it. You know, I don't have over overwhelming confidence in this current uh, judicial court. Having said that, they snuck it into this bill. It's part of this bill. And that B-pronged portion of that test will wipe out a significant number of people that are independent contractors. One of the big ones right now is truckers. I do a lot on this show and my Friday show on truckers. Most truckers out there, a lot of people think that, that everybody is a Warner uh, trucking company. That's not the case. 80% of all trucking is done by mom and pop operations, under 50 trucks. And a lot of those trucks under those mom and pops are independent contractors that sign on with those truckers. They pass this bill, the way that wording's done, those people won't have a job. They won't be able to contract. And the whole thing with the PRO Act is it's built in, well, they'll just hire them back in. What are you guys seeing as far as, do people actually understand the ramifications of that particular piece of legislation if it gets passed through here? I think people are starting to figure out that it's more the top-down approaches that get into their everyday lives or their jobs. You know, I'll give you an example. My wife, she does contract work. That'd be the end of her being able to do that. That's, right. It's, it's uh, difficult. I think people are waking up. The bill is filled with a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with infrastructure. And the more they see that and the more the price tag has grown and fluctuate, they don't take these things seriously. I mean, the, the price tag that fluctuates and then they go down, it, it's, I, I think they're losing credibility. I think a lot of these policies in Washington, D.C. are losing credibility with everyday people. You'll see others say, oh, these are the best policies. The PRO Act helps people. Look to California. Did their version of that help them at all? No. no. It's, it's, it's Matter of fact, right now, I promise you they're paying more for gas, goods, and groceries because they have less truckers coming into the state bringing in goods and services. The costs are going to be passed off to everybody. That's yeah. the problem. We're going to see inflation from infrastructure, these other parts in the bill. These, these costs get pushed off to the consumers. And again, the people who have the least or who are poor, they're going to pay the most for these things, and they can't afford that. And this, this really, the bill at the end of the day, you talked about the subsidies for electric cars. Those folks are doing very well. Why are they getting a subsidy uh, to them? When other folks are, you know, really struggling to get by because we're coming out of a pandemic, and, you know, economic shutdowns. This is a bad thing to do to people right now. The cost of goods, you walk in the store, how much it costs to go mm-hmm. pick up your groceries now. It, you can see it in beef. Uh, and, you know, folks have got to drive that to their, our stores. They don't need the costs going up on them and making their jobs more difficult because they serve a necessary part to the logistics and our society and our economy. And at the end of the day, we're going to really cause some unintended consequences because, again, top-down approaches from D.C. Well, I'm already seeing, and I, 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 again, I, I stay on top of it, there's already problems moving stuff out of the ports right now because they don't have enough drivers. And it's not a driver shortage. It's a, for example, in California, they, they basically killed a source to bring in when they in, in put in AB5. Now you've got certain markets um, because of political defund the police, political instability. You've got trucking companies don't want to go in there. And if they are, they're going to charge a lot for freight. Now, if it's localized, that's 
it hits there. But if they're taking it, let's say from New York to Texas, which is an expensive route now, you're talking 35% higher in costs. Those are real costs. That's not just the poor people. Yeah. That's everybody. So the question is going to be, if we can keep it, I, I still think anything that comes on the House floor right now, I, I, I wish, you mentioned those are 30, 30 Democrat seats in those districts. Um, if those 30 people would vote against them, those bills would not come out. That's correct. Are you, is, is your organization lobbying for those particular uh, representatives to, to vote against them? Or are y'all having reach out and what kind of response are you getting back? Darren, we're, we're reaching out. We call it grassroots lobbying. So we use innovative tactics from calling constituents and patching them through to their elected official district office, the Ooh, capital I like, office. I like so we that. Can, we can overload them. And uh, I've got two cars right now here in Texas. Uh, we've got some big SUVs driving around with Representative Colin Allred's face in, in Dallas and Representative Lizzie Fletcher in Houston. And we're going around all across the district making it well known to people. They're honking, they're giving us a thumbs up. Some people don't like it, but most people realize they're with us, they're against the wasteful uh, spending. We go knock doors in their neighborhoods too. And they're uh, across the district. We make it known to their neighbors. This is a bad bill, you should contact your representative. We're having rallies, we're having events, we're making it well known. People are sending them emails that we have a website they go to. It, it directs it right to their elected official. They can't escape their constituents' voices. Uh, some of these members don't want to hear from constituents. They don't want to hear from us as an organization because they want to keep charging ahead on just spending money. You know, I saw yesterday Colin Allred posted the infrastructure thing it, it, bill is good for North Texas. No, it's now. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the question. I'd love to, you know, be able to sit down. Really, let's have that debate over infrastructure. But as you said, highway authorization funds, everything else that's going on. Why are we going to spend more? Why are we going to go find another half a trillion dollars to add to the spending? It's, I don't think the credibility is there. I think constituents know that, but we're out there. We're talking to people. They're fired up when they hear what's going on because they're upset. They know we came out of a pandemic. They know we need the economy to recover. You know, we're coming off of some of the greatest tax cuts, a growing economy, and now it's, it's, just the opposite. Yeah, just the opposite. They're making it hard. It's almost punitive. I think it is punitive. Now, question. Um, Congressman Allred, we were actually a business constituent uh, on my Friday show when we had those uh, studios over there when we got kicked out due to COVID. We couldn't get him on the show. He's the only one I've ever had that way. We couldn't, just couldn't do it. What kind of response have you had with uh, uh, Congressman Allred over in Dallas? You know, I'm a constituent of his and uh, I've reached out. So at least I've, they've responded to me. You know, I understand you have to work on meeting times, but mm -hmm. I think he has responded to constituents uh, via the emails that have been sent from AFP, you know, that okay. constituents sent. So, he, but I think he's still defending the vote. He had a recent teletown hall where he said, this is what we need to do. I'm right there with the president. We need to spend this money. That's his response to the district. Well, I don't think that's really answering the calls from constituents. Yeah, you get, you actually got to go into a little more detail why. All right, we're running up against a hard break here, folks. You're listening to the Information Ed podcast with Darren Yancey, my special guest today, Mac Morris from Americans for Prosperity. We're going to pay a few bills, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. We've got Mac Morris. It's Deputy Director, correct? That's correct. All right. For the state of Texas, for Americans for Prosperity, wanted to get that correct. Now, let's shift gears for just a second. The highway funding bill, which technically it's infrastructure, even though it's a separate bill. And so that's what people got to understand. Oh, it's, it's not the $4 trillion we originally proposed. Well, no, you split it up and you put it here. You put a little there. You put a little in reconciliation and you're trying to hide it all over the place. It's a shell game. But that bill... There's a lot of good stuff in the bill, but it's it still doesn't focus enough on the right areas, but it's also got one big problem in that bill, and that is the increase from $1 million in combined single limits to $2 million for anybody that carries a motor carrier registration. What is that? Truckers carry a motor registration. It's basically it's based on the size and weight of your vehicle. Dump trucks, cement trucks, uh, any type, most big commercial trucks. I had E.B. Johnson on my Friday show. This is October 19 when it was a proposal under the Trump administration during that had come out as, I think, House Resolution 3791. And I tried to explain to her two things. I said, number one, the, the market is just not going to come out and embrace $2 million. I'm, I'm in the insurance industry, Okay they're not just going to come out and say 2 million for everyone. So the question is, are they going to let them write a excess a coverage to meet that, which they probably will. The other thing people don't understand is that's going to increase the operating capacity 
uh, or excuse me, operating costs for anybody associated with that, a minimum of 35%. Minimum. Have you folks been able to hone in on that message to anybody on the House side of this is not a good policy to come out and institute? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not as familiar with all this because we've been uh, really focused on the spending part of the infrastructure bill. But I can tell you is when I discuss this with anybody, just philosophically, I, you know, I've read a lot on this. They're saying, oh, it's inflation. We have to adjust this. Well, you know, we wouldn't have so much inflation if you guys didn't spend so much money either. But then two is the top down approach. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's when you're mandating things and not listening to an industry. Uh, you're not listening to the market signals. I think that's a big one. And I think I have to do a better job across the state is bringing this up with people too. There's much more than just the spending, uh, wasteful spending aspect of infrastructure. We've got these other bills. Um, and I've seen for the House that you know, coalitions of truckers are now saying, let's amend this bill uh, coming out of the Rules Committee before we go to a House floor vote. Because there are lots of things that Congress does that increases operating costs, mm -hmm. they, they, those costs are going to be pushed down to everybody. That, that's, that's how business works. Well, a lot of the trucking industry hasn't up until really this past year because when freight is in a dogfight and it's been, they're going to suck up some things just to get it going. But that's not the case right now. The, if they want the freight, the freight's there. Um, if you want to go to a pandemic city that's crazy, the rates are there. So they're at a point now that's like, hey, if they're going to screw us, we're going to pass it on. I, the, the word I'm hearing is we're no longer going to take it out of our pocketbook. We're going to go through. There is a argument that the inflation portion is correct. Yes, attorney's fees and medical bills, a lot of it's those are, we can have the discussion on that. The argument gets around the severity and frequency of the number of claims that justify a nationwide change. The data isn't there. Okay. It's just simply not there. They can get it from the Highway Institute, the Insurance Institute, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration has the data. It's not there to support this. And the unintended consequences are going to be a massive increase. You're talking about milk going from $3 a gallon to $5 a gallon. You're talking about a loaf of bread going up 60, 70 cents a loaf nationally. This is the kind of stuff that this can go through. Is there anything that you can, that your organization is doing? Um, you know, this is the, we're talking about the unintended consequences. It's a, it's not a spin per se as it is a policy. What does Americans for Prosperity do when they find a policy like this? Not so much spending, but a policy that has very potential substantial impact, like the PRO Act. What sure. position does America for Prosperity take on something like this to get that message out, to get the ground troops to start making those calls? I think the most important thing that we do first is really from the lobbying side, that we directly meet with legislators and talk about how the legislation directly affects people. And then we take that intelligence back to the grassroots. We educate people. We talk about the policy. We have a great policy team that walks people through how this works, how this legislation may not work specifically. And then we empower them to go make their voices heard. So they need to go uh, to an elected official's office, state, federal level. They've got the information to make the case why these policies are not good policies for folks across the state. Are you guys having success meeting with 
the the Democrat coalition, whether you know, it's state or federal. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in the state of Texas, you can work with uh, folks on both sides of the aisle as it comes to a lot of legislation. Uh, you know, we've worked on things from criminal justice reform to, you know, tax issues. It's interesting in Texas, you can walk into offices. Maybe not everybody wants you there. Federal is a little different story. You know, I've reached out to offices. They they see my name. They see who I'm affiliated with as, a, as an organization. They'll say, well, you guys are just a, a conservative group. Well, that's not really uh, true. I think we're a nonpartisan group, but we're based on principle. And that's what I try to bring to a lot of these office meetings with staff or the elected officials. Let's talk about we don't have to agree on everything, but we at least need to have a conversation because you never know when you're going to find common ground on something. I've seen that at the state level before, and uh, it can bear a lot of fruit by having you know bipartisan reforms at the end of the day. Do you think there's any hope for this current um, House of Representatives till 2022 to have any type of, uh, uh, we'll say, common sense thread, or is this is this a fire sale until the next election? I think. We've seen those terrible policies put forth, PRO Act, HR1, COVID bailouts. Now we're talking the infrastructure bill, and then they want to get the human infrastructure. I think they've overplayed their hand. I think it's very difficult for a lot of these uh, Democrats who are basically taking their marching orders from Nancy Pelosi. And I think they're going to have to say, we can't do this. This is not our constituents. This is They don't agree with this. This is bad policy. And I think we have to be always optimistic. And I think what's uh, the good thing is that constituents across the country can continue to contact their elected officials and make a groundswell from the grassroots, a groundswell, and get them to vote the right way on a bill and make sure you know you defeat uh, a bad spending bill as it comes to infrastructure and thank them for doing the right thing. I don't think that ever happens enough. Uh, elected officials get beat up a lot on both sides. But yeah. if somebody does the right thing, Thank them for listening and doing Absolutely. the right thing. I think that's really key there too. Now let's switch gears for a second. I know you also do a lot for Texas. Um, tell me what the push is right now that you guys are working on with the Texas. I mean, we obviously we just ended uh, one session. We're about to go into another. I can. I, I know the conservative grassroots were not happy with this session. Uh, I think it was probably one of the most bungled sessions I've ever seen. And I've seen some bungled sessions. Uh, I'm not really sure how we got there. What are you currently doing with the state of Texas right now? So coming out of this session, we were happy to see some protections for taxpayers, but there were some big issues that didn't happen. And that was the ending of taxpayer funded lobbying. Nope. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't stop. Uh, nope. They're still taking your money. Everybody got their appraisals. Uh, and here in the last month or two, you know, set the tax rate and then they'll continue to pay for lobbyists. That's Mac, will you, for our listeners, sure. I forgot, will you define taxpayer based yeah. lobbying? So taxpayer funded lobbying, think about this, your tax dollars, your property tax dollars goes to your city, your county, or, you know, some kind of municipality. They hire a lobbyist with your tax dollars. They go on behalf of that municipality down to Austin and they often lobby against things that you care about. Uh, and they often lobby for more tax increases. Uh, they were some of the most vocal folks to fight property tax reform two, uh, two years ago. Uh, so that's, that's really a nutshell, taxpayer-funded lobbying. People say, well, it's just you know, $45 million. $45 million, I don't care if it's $1, it equals money. Yeah. Well, and you'll hear the thing, what the, the synopsis you gave, we're talking Texas, but really that's across the nation. 
it happens in a lot of states. That's that's how it works, and it's something that it is a. I think if everybody actually understood the amount of the money of the the funding that they're putting that's going against their own self interest, I'm not certain people wouldn't be out with pitchforks and torches <laughs> at at each one of these municipalities or county or state level. Going, what are you doing? You know, uh, I know it's it's something that when I was sitting on the uh, I was the commissioner for the Johnson County ESD. There was an issue coming up because they had the commissioners had a form of lobby and they said, well, we do this, this, this. Okay. Why can't you go do that yourself? You're getting a salary. You get a commit, you, you get paid, go down there and do it yourself. And the answer is always, well, you know, we got this, we got this. Is that going to come up for the next session to end that in the special session to end taxpayer based lobbying? Cause I know there was a couple of different bills out there. No, I, I hope it does because, you know, as the governor talked about calling the special session on, you know, starting on the 8th of July, and he's talked about going item by item. So let's hope that it gets on there. Um, I think that's really important to save the taxpayers money to do the right thing on principle. Uh, even to the secretary, we're also working on pretrial reform, bail reform to keep you know our streets safe, save taxpayer money and give people second chances. Uh, that was something that really advanced both those bills you know, advanced uh, out of the Senate. A lot of things die in the House. Um, you have committees, you know, even the bail reform uh, bill. Yeah, how did that happen? How, how, did, how did that happen? Well, it was, it makes it through both chambers and they send it back from the Senate to hear it. They count, you put it on the calendar. And then with the elections bill, it's uh, the Democrats break quorum and they walk out. So, you know, this bill would have helped a lot of folks who couldn't afford bail, who weren't a risk to society. It would have also protected public safety at the end of the day. And they walked out on that. And that's we need to fix that because it's really is it's judged as a unconstitutional system across the state. The ACLU has sued counties. Uh, we need to do a better job of uh, taking care of public safety and having a criminal justice reform, a criminal justice system that actually works. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, any party walking out um, and, and not doing their job. You may not like the job that you have to do. You may be in the minority, but you go in there and do your job. And this isn't the first time we've had some folks from the Democratic Party do that. Uh, that all they did last time was waste time, and eventually the legislation got passed. So do the right thing by the taxpayer. All right, folks, we're up against a hard break. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey, my special guest today, Mac Morris from Americans for Prosperity. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the final segment of the Information Edge. This is Darren Yancey, and I've got Mac Morris with Americans for Prosperity Talking, we've been talking federal, we've been talking Texas, we're going to spend a little bit more talking Texas. Um, in terms of one of the things that's a big consumer, it didn't gain a lot of traction. It finally started getting some sponsors was House Bill 3770 to eliminate the ad valorem tax. Um, any chance you think that's going to come up in this or one of these other special sessions? You know, I think they're going to have limited time in the session to focus on some big bills. I know they still have to fund the legislature after, you know, election integrity bill. Uh, hopefully it take up some other issues. You know, there's going to be a second special session too for redistricting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's key there is that folks across the state need to continue making their voices heard, not just when session arrives or an election, but the interim. I think that's, that's a, where a lot of work is done. Absolutely. Exactly. Because, you know, they've had hearings across the state. They'll travel the state for hearings. You have to make these issues, not just a campaign issue, but it's an issue in the interim. Uh, I think that's key. A lot of elected officials don't hear for enough from people on things. It's been good in Texas to see, you know, we constitutionally made it, uh, made it to where we won't have a state income tax. We've reformed property taxes. It could be better. You know, we've made some uh, cuts to the margins business tax in the past, but we're still paying a lot in property taxes. It was good to see. We're, a, we're in the top 10 nationally. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's still a lot. You still see your appraisal go up. And a lot of yeah. those municipalities ignored it uh, after it was passed and used the pandemic as justification. And yep. I know that they really uh, focused on closing some of those loopholes. I, I think a big one, too, seeing coming out of session, they said we we're going to run this huge billions of dollars in a deficit. And now they came in under population inflation, to, uh, really delivered a more responsible budget. And we got a spending limit there, too. I think that's a huge win because we've gone decades with just uncontrolled growth of government because taxpayers can afford it. We need to keep working. Sometimes it's got to be incremental. We want these things to happen overnight, but the pressure can never go away. We need more Texans to say things. I think that's really key. What is Americans for Prosperity, Texas? What's your stance on 
the ad valorem tax. Just uh, tax as it comes to property or you want to define that? Yes. Old? Yeah. And you guys I support it? Would you like to see it changed? I, I think what we really need, we've looked at a variety of bills over the year. We want to reform it first. I think that was key, the growth of government. I do think that folks need more say in the process. I don't think rates should be going up. There's a lot of times you talk about school choice when that mm-hmm. doesn't really happen is that you got property taxes intimately tied to school funding. We spend a lot on schools. I think we could decrease taxes a lot. In a perfect world, of course, I would love not to see anybody paying property taxes and how we can be smart with budgeting. I think at the end of the day is that we have to keep shrinking the scope of government because they're spending too much. They don't have a funding problem. They have a spending problem. And we see that at the federal level. At least we're making some inroads here in Texas. Yeah, because I can tell you right now, I mean, with where the levels are getting, I know what I, I know what my, we're at basically 2.7% of the taxable value. And that puts us in the same realm as New Jersey, New York, California, Illinois. I mean, we're basically blue state levels of property taxes. And we've got people losing their homes Mm -hmm. because they can't pay their property taxes. We've got a lot of good things, but this is an area. I don't know that this bill gets traction in a, a special session, but I can tell you um, there's a lot of people that are going to get primaried in the next election cycle, both Democrat and Republican, because it was brushed aside. I, I don't want to say it was brushed aside. I think it was, well, we'll put it out there. and We'll get a sponsor to keep you happy. But there was no real effort to make anything work on it. And there's a lot of folks, both sides of the aisle, all different colors, you know, all different sexes. They're losing their houses yeah. because they can't pay their taxes. So it's something that we have to get a hold of. So let's talk about how to get a hold of Americans for Prosperity uh, website, all that good stuff, social media. So if folks want to go and make a donation or get more involved, how do they yeah. do that? Well, thank you. Uh, Americansforprosperity.org. That's our main website. You can select the Texas dropdown. You can reach out to us at infotx at AFP hq.org. They'll send us an email. We can get contact with you. Our Twitter handle is at Texas AFP. Uh, Send us a a tweet and we can uh, get started with you. But I want to remind folks today, we've been talking about spending. We're going to see that those taxes go up at the end of the day. Uh, We're going to see debt mount. Going to stopthespendingspree.com is a great way to get in contact with us and to message your legislator at the same time. So your congressman and your two U.S. senators We want to hear from folks. We want to build a a groundswell of everyday Americans, especially here in Texas. I'm really partial to Texas, but we got to make this the best state. We want to take those Texas policies where we're doing things better in Texas and go change how Washington, D.C. is doing it. Give me that site again so I can write it down. Stopthespendingspree.com. Stop the spending spree. Someone was overheard. That was overheard at a dinner table when they applied it to this. (laughs) I had, I've had to have that conversation with my bride sometimes. Baby, you got to stop the spending spree. We can't afford it. You're killing me. You're killing me here. Oh, I hope she's not outside the door. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Mac, it has been a pleasure having you on here today. And uh, I want you to tell Genevieve that I said hello and that we're going to expect her to come back soon. And if you've got any events that you folks are going to be doing, where, for example, Teletown Hall, anything where you're wanting volunteers, if you will send me information, we'll certainly spread it out to the listeners that I've got. 
Uh, we have a lot of folks that listen to this on Voice America. We've got other outlets that it'll download it and listen to um, that will spread that information out and uh, get it out there because we certainly enjoy having you on. And uh, that's the whole point of why I do this. And I'm going to take a minute to tell a little bit about my social media. You can follow me on Twitter and Gab and Parlor at DGYancy65. Uh, at DGNC65. You can follow me on Facebook at The Information Edge. And uh, we'll get some stuff out there. You know, let me ask you a question. What, and I know it's not a spending, but it is a free speech, and I know you guys are standing for freedom. Um, what do you think about them still keeping President Trump off of Twitter? You know, that's an interesting one. I am a free speech advocate to the core. I don't want government to be making decisions, but, you know, I. I don't like it in free speech areas or online that people drown out other voices just because they don't like what they say. Mm-hmm. The best way to combat an idea if you don't like it is to present a better idea. So I think we need free speech. Uh, the more voices involved in the process, if that's on the internet, if that's in person, I think that's better. I don't, I don't think we should withhold that from anybody. Well, one of the things I'm wondering about, and of course I don't know that it's going to happen during this congressional cycle. Cause I think we have, white man speak with forked tongue. Um, I think they violated their 230 protection by doing that. Um, There's no question they violated, I think, his his First Amendment rights. I think we've got to get to where, you know, there was a reason that we had antitrust laws and rules against monopolistic policies. And that's what's happened here. We've got monopolistic policies and the people we elect to protect us are not doing that job. I'm seeing that happening on the state levels, which is good. I just like to see it on the federal level. All right, Mac, it has been a pleasure having you today. Uh, We'll have you back in the future, okay? Thank you so much, Darren. Really appreciate it. All right, folks. It has been a pleasure bringing this message to you today. I hope it has been educational and uh, informative and hopefully a little bit on the entertaining side. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We've had Mac Morris of Americans for Prosperity. I'll be bringing you another message next week. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then.